Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earl. This is episode 67, Memories. Well, here we are, mid-November, and it's snowing as we record this podcast. But that's only natural. It's northwest Ohio. But what it does mean is, despite all the rain we've had in recent weeks and days, is that the push to get the harvest done uh, is even stronger. Uh, We still have standing beans and standing corn in my area here in northwest Ohio. And I suspect the uh, introduction of snow into our daily weather now is going to create some anxiety on the farm as they mount the combines and harvesters and get ready to take off the crops. So why do, uh, why do we have a title called Memories today? Well, I'm old, not old, old, I'm only 75, but yet I've lived long enough to have accumulated <laughs> a lifetime of memories. And odd thing, I've been taking some classes recently about awareness and being more uh, to grow and what's going on around me and understand what's around my environment. And so I've become more aware of the value of our senses as we uh, encounter day-to-day or minute-to-minute activities, but it's also what impact they may have on our memories. Give you an example. Uh, my eyesight is failing. Even though I had LASIK surgery, I started wearing glasses in the third grade, but I had LASIK surgery, so now I only wear glasses for reading. Um, but I have like eight pairs lying at various places around the house so that when I read, I have a pair of glasses uh, handy that I can get the job done. My uh, hearing is not as good as it used to be. Uh, There are a couple of reasons for that. One is I keep telling my wife that's my problem. Uh, I've tried that for 52 years. She still doesn't believe it. But those years I spent in radio wearing headphones, I'm convinced, had a negative impact on my hearing ability in my later years now. My sense of taste seems to have diminished a little bit. But part of that could be a result of the years I spent uh, smoking cigarettes, which I wouldn't recommend to anybody. But on the other hand, uh, I've got to live with the consequences uh, uh, of that uh, terrible behavior. And uh, I don't think I had the COVID, but who knows? But my sense of taste isn't as precise or as uh, marked as it once was. And now I'm coming to the sense of smell. And I, I'll i illustrate how important that is in triggering memories. Uh, the other day, I had to run to town for some errands, and I took Justice along. He loves to ride, as you know, most dogs do. And so we're traveling the five miles from my house to the store, and I have the back windows down, even though it's 40 degrees outside. But, you know, Justice, he's got to stick his head out the window. I, he's cute. He may not be smart. Anyway, as we're driving down the road, one of my neighbors is harvesting corn. And 
I don't know whether it was my memory that triggered the smell or it was the smell that triggered the memory. But I could I could smell the fodder in the corn of the harvest. And bingo. I flashed back years ago to my growing up on the farm and the impact that smell had, the memories that cascaded through my mind as I went through the various stages of corn harvest as a kid growing up. In my early years, we only picked the corn. We had a two-row mounted picker. And then later on, we integrated as we got the the combine with the 12-foot header. We integrated shelled corn, but also kept the picked corn because we cribbed it and used it for hogs. And then later in my high school years, we went to all shelled corn. But still, that smell is distinctive of the fodder and the corn as it's being harvested. And it just brought back a flashback of a number of memories. I mentioned once before that I, that I've grown up on a grew up on a dairy farm, and and I also worked my way through my undergraduate degree at the College of Worcester, milking cows at the Ohio Ag Research and Development Center. I milked ninety eight cows in the morning and ninety eight in the afternoon. We started milking at two thirty in the morning and two thirty in the afternoon. So that allowed me to go to eight o'clock classes and my last class would be at one that I could schedule and then I'd be out of there and back to the barn for the afternoon milking. But the smells of of milking, the cows, the body heat from the cows, obviously the manure that was trapped on their hooves or whatever, and the smell of the warm milk as you would dump it from the milker into the bulk container. Um, just vivid memories. And I go back to my childhood where we used belly milkers and, and, uh, milked our cows and brought them in and out. So to me at this stage in my life, it seems that odors or smells are creating the most vivid memories like grandma's soup, you know, or all kinds of specialty dishes or things. And as we come forward to Thanksgiving, and I hope many of you have an opportunity to spend it with those you love. Uh, there will be smells there that will bring on a whole rush of memories, perhaps, of Thanksgiving past. Maybe when you were little or young or first married or whatever, the smell of the turkey coming out of the oven, maybe the cranberry sauce, despite the fact you only eat it once a year the stuffing or dressing, depending on how you describe it. All those various smells come together and just trigger all those memories that we might have. So not all memories are good. Obviously, there are people who spend lifetimes in therapy trying to unanchor or dismantle the bad ones. But yet there are some good ones and those we should cherish love and embrace. And so I hope as you get into this period of of the holiday season coming forward, that the memories that are triggered for you are good ones and warm ones. And I know many of us have lost people we love and care about over the holiday season. It seems to be rather common. And again, make sure the memories are the good ones, the ones that make you warm and glow on the inside. So enough with my philosophizing and preaching. 
But it does lead me into an article by Selena Zito, Z-I-T-O. You may want to look it up. And she talks about or writes about eliminating monuments and things of our history, which has been rather prevalent in the last year and a half as some groups have gone totally bonkers and are pulling down statues right and left that may even may or may not be associated with a darkness in our past um, as if you can erase all those bad memories simply by pulling down a piece of granite or marble as if you can erase the reality of what went on the good and the bad by crushing an emblem of our past. And I'm going to quote here from her, her column, quoting now, the problem is when you're Commonwealth, and she's writing about Western Pennsylvania now. Again, starting over, the problem is when your Commonwealth has more than 300 years of history, much of it happened in times that weren't always diverse or inclusive, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Past ugliness shouldn't be lauded, but neither should it be forgotten. And I think that is right on. Um, I, I don't see, for example, tearing down Robert E. Lee's statue in Virginia uh, is necessarily wise. You know, there are people who laud him. He was supposedly one of the great field generals of his time, obviously operating with limited resources and capacity. But on the other hand, if he did represent the, or if he was the icon of protecting and enhancing slavery, shouldn't we be reminded of that on a daily basis or whatever? So I think all this attempt to steal or knock down or destroy the symbols of our past are misplaced. And I think they really represent something else. It's just an attempt to destroy and undermine our entire social structure, and it seems to be working. Okay, I have an article here by George Selgin, S-E-L-G-I-N. It's from the American Institute of Economic Research, the A-I-E-R, which you know I read a lot. But he's talking about the three-pronged textbook definition of money is faulty and i think once i tell you remind you what it is you may uh you may understand why anyway they they talk about how how money uh says is the medium of exchange a store of value and a unit of account well that makes sense in a in in a nonsensical way Yes, it is a medium of exchange, not necessarily always fair exchange. It is certainly a unit of account. That's how we pick winners and losers, pluses and minuses. Uh, that's why certain elements on our balance sheet have parentheses around them and certain don't, or they have black ink or red ink. But is a store of value? Given the fact that we had 6% inflation in the last quarter, money certainly is not a store of value. In fact, if you want to get right down to the nitty-gritty and bottom line of it, fiat money really is 
as worthless as lips on a chicken. Unless there's something behind it and backing it, whether it be real estate, land, gold, silver, platinum, any type of precious metal. Yes, that says now on our fiat money is the full credit of the United States and the Federal Reserve. Ha <laughs> ha! Credit. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll let that go on. But that's an article I'd recommend to you. It's called a three-pronged blunder. He says that gracefully. Or what money is and what it isn't. So you might want to read that. Another article I have is out from Bill Bonner's diary. It's called Blame the Supply Chain and Protect the Elite. In other words, what he's saying is that the current administration, and actually many in politics, are saying most of our problems that arise right now, financial problems, are coming because of the supply chain breakdown. Well, think about it. Is the supply chain breakdown creating problems within the economy? Certainly. Is it the major cause? Certainly not, because the economic structure and the way they're attacking it and beating it up and the way they totally mishandled it during the COVID pandemic affected the supply chain and impacted it negatively. I think we talked a little bit last week about how in California they basically eliminated a whole bunch of trucks and their capacity to operate in that state because uh, of the diesel. They had to have certain restrictions and nothing older than a 2014 truck was allowed to be used on their roads or whatever. And so when you have problems unloading ships at the harbor because you need trucks to haul away the goods and services to other parts of the state or the country, and you eliminate or minimize uh, the number of trucks available through arbitrary and capricious rules and regulations, yes, you have a problem, Virginia. There is no Santa Claus, Virginia. They lied to you all along. But anyway, final one I'd like to recommend is public policy is an elaborate fraud. This again for Bill Bonner's diary uh, on the 9th. Uh, totally true. Public policy is often comes out of nowhere and made from nothing. It's just people with arbitrary wishes and goals, and they want you to pay for it all the way along. I'd recommend you read that column. Well, sort of a funky show today, and I'm sure you're saying, well, yeah, they all are. But I thank you for listening in. This is Living Liberty Today. I'm Charlie Earl. Live free, stay free, and be free.